And this week he told me that one of the keys to receiving is giving. There are lots of ways to give. I'm going to be covering three of them today. You see, all of Scripture is really based on seed time and harvest. Give and you receive. Not that we give to manipulate. We give out of a heart of thanksgiving and praise and worship and gladness because of the goodness of our God. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what area of life it is. Giving is a key to receiving the fullness of God, to walking in the fullness of Christ. If you need friendship, you sow friendship. If you need joy, you sow joy. If you need peace, you sow peace. If you need mercy, you sow mercy. Scripture says, forgive and you will be forgiven. When we sow peace, we reap unity. The only true fulfillment in life comes from giving. I can barely go on today. I can barely I can barely speak today. Because of the goodness of God. It's overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. See, God made our hearts to give. That's what you were created for. We are to be givers just like he is a giver. We are created in his image, right? He gave it all. And we're created in his image. Spirit to spirit. And when we give, we receive always, always, infinitely, infinitely more than we could ever give. He makes sure of it. We're going to go to Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure that you use it will be measured to you. With the measure that you use it will be measured to you. So you see God started this whole human existence by giving. In creation he imagined the most beautiful things for our pleasure, for us to enjoy. He imagined everything to give us pleasure, to walk in unity with him. He created the Garden of Eden. We were intended to be there, but man messed it up, didn't didn't he? The human creation messed it up. We were meant to dwell in an Eden, heart to heart with God. No division, no separation. Constant communion. No lack, only beauty, only abundance, only peace, only joy. In every facet of life, 
physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. That was his dream. That's what he started. A human being messed it up. Did he start grumbling? Did he say, too bad, you messed it up. I had something great for you. (laughs) No. Because of his loving heart, he gave us a way to be redeemed. His only begotten son, he sent to be crucified, to be tormented, to be shamed, spat upon, humiliated, tortured. And that person, Jesus Christ, with the same loving heart as his father, Guys, do y'all think? (laughs) Well, it doesn't matter what you think. (laughs) Because our hearts should be so full of love for him that we can't even imagine, we can't even hardly bear it. See, he sent Jesus, someone with the same heart of love for us that he had, to demonstrate that heart of love, who chose to look down to the cross and suffer anything that had to be suffered, that chose to give his life, that chose to allow his blood to be shed so that we could walk in forgiveness, so that we could walk in redemption, so that we did not have to walk in earth condemned. What a good, good God we serve. So when we mess things up, when when a person messes things up, God just said, I'm going to give more. I'm going to give again. It's not going to stop me. I have a dream, and I'm going to see it fulfilled. And I am going to walk in communion with my beloved children, and they are going to be with me for eternity. So he just gave more, just gave again. He didn't stop to think what we had done to him. He just kept on giving. So all our lives really are that way. They're all seed time and harvest. It's all giving, giving, giving. Genesis 8, 2, 22. As long as the earth endures, endures, seed time and harvest, cold and and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest. And God will make sure that when you plant seed for him, (coughs) your harvest will be more than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. So we're going to look at a couple examples from the scripture The first way we're going to talk about giving is thanksgiving, praise, and worship. Thanksgiving, praise, and worship. We're going to go to 2 Chronicles 20, starting in verse (coughs) 2. Some people came and 
told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea, Dead Sea. It is already in Hezazan Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. First thing we do is inquire when we're in a pickle, when we're in a difficult situation. We inquire of, well, even when you're not in a difficult situation, you should be inquiring of the Lord. It should be just moment by moment every day. Hey, Lord, what's next? What do you want me to do? Anyway, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. You know, he is your ever-present help in time of trouble. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Hallelujah. That's where we need to stay. Right there. You just stay right there. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up from the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Hallelujah. Take up your positions. We're going to study how they took up their positions. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. See, we're not going to get in fear. We will not, regardless of what's in the world, regardless of personal circumstances, we will not be in fear. We do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I'm not even going to be discouraged. When it seems like everything's falling apart, I am not going to be discouraged. What's the opposite of discouragement? Encouragement, joy. We're going to walk in joy, right? We're going to edify ourselves in the word, encourage ourselves in the word. We're going to stand in joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down. Okay, he's taking a stand here. He bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship. We don't worship here for fun. It is fun. We don't worship as a practice, as a rule or ritual. We worship to move our hearts, to hear from God, to stand. Worship is a powerful, powerful instrument. 
your voice raised in worship will move mountains in your life. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. We are not worshiping the problem. Too many people worship the problem by just sitting there and rehearsing it all the time. We're going to have worship come out of our mouths in times of trouble. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. You can go ahead and come in here and praise and worship with a loud voice, beloved. See, so they, pr- they fasted. So far we, we've, we've seen this in this scripture. They fasted, they worshiped, they praised. They stayed in joy instead of getting in discouragement. And the victory was theirs. This is before they even went to battle, okay? This is before. They're giving thanks. They're worshiping before they see the actual victory. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Hallelujah. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing, to sing. Remember last week we were talking about singing your song? He appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness. Just for the splendor of his holiness, not even the things that he was going to do for them. Just because he's holy, just for his majesty, just for his magnificence, just for his beauty. We walk a beautiful life. We walk a beautiful life. It doesn't really matter what's going on around us. I choose to walk a beautiful life. I love life. My life is beautiful. I have no problems. And I don't say that saying that there are not difficulties. You see what I'm saying? God has given us beauty for ashes. For the splendor of his holiness, as they went out at the head of the army, saying... Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. If you can't give thanks for anything else, if you can't think of anything else, just give thanks because his love for you personally endures forever. So here again, they're standing in faith. They're singing, they're praising, they're giving thanks before the victory happens. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes. He is Jehovah Nisi. He is the Lord that goes before us. He sets the ambushes. He is our banner. 
These are my children, and you are not going to touch them. That's the kind of banner we have going before us. Hallelujah. The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They were defeated. The enemies were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. The enemies turned against themselves. You see that? You stay in praise. You stay in thanksgiving. You stay in worship. You stay in the word. The enemies will defeat themselves because they will not be able to stand in the light of the love and the protection and the mercy and the grace over your life when you praise your Holy Father and stay in his presence. Verse 22. Oh, I already read that. Verse 24. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies. What enemy... What dead body do you need to see? God had already taken care of it. They, they showed up and it was finished. Why can we rest in this? Because Jesus finished it on the cross. He was resurrected, ascended, and went to the mercy seat for us. You see? And looked toward the vast army. They saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. No demonic spirit coming against you, beloved, can escape the mighty hand of God in your life. You stay in praise. You stay in thanksgiving. You stay in worship. You sing songs from your heart. See, the battle had already been fought by the time they got there. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Baraka to this day. Before and after, they praised. It's not to your credit, it's to the glory of God. Verse 27, bless you. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. You see, their praise, their worship worked the results of God. Well, you know, when I say that word worked, I don't mean it in its technical sense, okay? And they returned joyfully. He gave them joy. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. 
hallelujah, making melody in their hearts, weren't they? The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. Do you see our promise? When we give thanksgiving, when we praise, when we honor him, when we stay in joy, he gives us peace. We have a peace that passes all understanding. For his God had given him rest on every side. That's where you're supposed to walk every day, every moment of every day. Rest on every side. Do you believe it, saints? Do you believe it's possible? No matter what's going on, you can have rest on every side. In the face of what appears to be insurmountable odds, certainly for Jehoshaphat, but how about for you? When you get to points in your life that seem like it is an insurmount, there are insurmountable odds, what are you going to do? We give thanks. We sing praise. We have faith in God. We worship the one and only true Jehovah. Because they chose to praise, Instead of quarrel, complain, bicker, have strife, get in confusion, they had rest on every side. They reaped a harvest of joy and rejoicing in the midst of the tumult that could have been there. In our day, that's considered the fullness of Christ, right? Okay. So we give thanks, we give praise, we give worship. David, think of David. If I could, I would just say right now, just go read every single psalm. You cannot come out of the psalms without giving thanks. You can't do it. It is impossible. No matter how hard you would try, you cannot read the psalms and stay in fear, in condemnation, in discouragement, in lack. You can't do it. Psalm 100, 1 through 5. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. In these times, what are you going to know? That the Lord is God. That's what we are going to know. We're not going to know anything else. We're not going to choose anything else. We are going to know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good 
and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Hallelujah. No matter what David went through, no matter whether he was being chased down or hiding out, no matter what sin he committed, he returned unto the mercy and the goodness of God, giving thanks and praise. Hallelujah. He became king. <laughs> he didn't let the chase, he didn't let the pursuit get a hold of him, did he? No. He praised and he knew who his God was. He constantly put himself, you must put yourself in remembrance of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. You must do it. You must refuse to rebel in the misery or the oppression or the depression over the difficulties of life. You must choose. I must choose. Regardless of the circumstances, Paul tells us to learn to be content. I would say just learn to be joyful. Philippians 4.12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Thank you, Father. So what do we receive when we receive, when we give thanks, when we give praise, when we give worship? What do we receive? Praise and worship will soften your heart. It will soften your heart so that you can hear more clearly from the Lord, so that you can hear more clearly from the Holy Spirit. It's important. The stony heart, the stony heart becomes a heart of flesh, and we become pliable or yielded in the hands of God, and that's where we want to be. That's where we receive his presence. When we become yielded, when we become yielded, he can complete his work in us. Right? We hear him better. We receive victory. We've just gone through this. We receive victory for the battles of life. Yes, it is maybe the eventual victorious outcome or solution in a situation, but it's so much more than that. It is walking in the peace and the rest of God. You see? It's walking in knowing that your brother is with you. Side by side, arm in arm, heart to heart. Okay? Yes, it is an actual result in a, in a battle, a phys, you know, like a, an outcome, but it is, it is the joy in the journey. Peace be the journey, right? Wasn't that from some movie? <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Peace be the journey. 
So we hear his plans, and then we walk out those plans. We hear his direction. We hear him when he's saying, this is the way, walk in it. Because we've become soft. Okay? He gives us peace that passes all understanding. And frankly, if you cannot think of anything to be thankful for, which I don't believe that would be anyone in this room, just be thankful for Jesus. You start right there, and you won't even be able to stop. Just be thankful for Jesus. Actually, you know, someone came up to me and showed me a verse before service. And then I I went and I read it, and I wanted to read this other verse. 1 Colossians 1.11 says, And that you would be empowered with all strength according to the majesty of his glory and all patience, endurance, and joy. I thank God the Father who made us worthy for a part of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has saved us from the power of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. How can you not be thankful for a God who has done that for you? His blood poured out did that for you. Proverbs 17:22 A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. See that? See what being thankful does? But then look what it says. But a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Well, that's your answer right there. That's your answer for osteoporosis. I'm totally serious. Because the word is alive and active. So I'm not going to choose a broken spirit. I'm going to choose a merry heart. 2 Corinthians 9:15 Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. We can just plant right there. Thanks be to God. Thank you God for your indescribable gift. Okay, what else are we going to give? What else are we going to share? We are going to share the treasury that God has put in us. We are going to share. We are going to give our gifts, the gifts he's put in us. We are going to give revelation, revelation of the word that he has revealed to us, the treasures that he has placed in you. We are going to give and give and give. And we're not going to say things like, I'm just too tired today to witness to that person. It's a little too inconvenient for me to go pick up that person on the way to church. Or it's a little too inconvenient for me to take that person a meal. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about when God tells you to do something. When God puts it in your heart. We're not going to argue with him. We're going to say, well, you've put that on my agenda today, and I know when you've spoken to me, that that is going, there's something that is going to be unlocked for that other person. 
and I am willing to do that. Right? I'm not making y'all feel guilty or bad, right? I'm, I'm not talking about works. I'm talking about when the Lord speaks to your heart. Just to pray for somebody. What if the Lord speaks to your heart to pray to somebody, for somebody? Are you going to stop and take the time to do it? Okay? It can be very simple things. Matthew 10, 5 through 8. These 12, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel as you go proclaim this message. You are God's message. You are, if you are born again, saved, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you are his message. And here's the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. That's here. That is not something you're waiting to go get or you're waiting to encounter when you get to heaven. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That is Jesus talking. It is red letter. It is not for bygone days. Healing is for, de- for today. Casting out of demons is for today. Freely you have been given. What have you been given? You have been given the fullness of the kingdom of God. That's what you've been given. You have been given the fullness of the kingdom of God. In that, there is no lack. There is no sickness. There is no darkness. There is no demon sent from the evil one who can persist and live. In the light of the kingdom of God. That's what you've been given. That's what you walk around with every single day. Christ in me, the hope of glory. What are you going to give? Are you going to give a stinking, watered-down gospel? Are you going to give a gospel that just sits there and says, I'm sorry that you're going through this depression. I am sorry that you're sick. I am so, and don't ever say that's God's will. The only reason Jesus went anywhere and people may not have been healed was because they chose to see him as the carpenter's son. I'm not choosing to see Jesus that way. He is not just the carpenter's son. He is the son of a holy God. He shed his blood. He took the stripes. They accomplished everything that Jesus walked in. Jesus was never sick. He was never out of the will of God. He never got in the flesh. 
He never allowed his mind to come down below the vision of God. Is that what you've been given? What are you going to give? I had a bunch of stuff I was going to say there, but I think that covers it. (laughs) You know, you give that way. You give knowing what Christ has done for you. You give the treasury that has been placed in you. You can't help but receive on this earth. You can't help it. God won't allow it. God will not allow for you not to receive. Only mental thinking will get in the way of that. Only religious thinking can get in the way of that. And if you don't want to think about, which I don't know why you wouldn't, but if you don't want to think about what you get here on earth, think about the crowns you're going to have in heaven. Just think about that. Please, don't choose to bypass what he's done for you here, the gifts he has for you here, the blessing, the fullness he has for you here. But you have crowns of victory. You have treasure stored up in heaven. When you give with a heart like Jesus had, you give the kingdom. You plant seeds in other people's lives. You share the goodness of God. You don't be quiet about it. You will reap a mighty harvest from those seeds. His seed, the seed of his word, is incorruptible. You can't kill it. Galatians 6, 1 through 10. Brothers and sisters, If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, restore that person gently. Do you see his heart? Do you see what he wants us to do with what he's given us? You are restorers. You are restorers. You are not here to hit someone over the head with their sin. You let God handle their sin. You handle them with love. Restore them gently. You have received mercy, share mercy. Compassion, share compassion. Kindness, share kindness. This is what you've received from our glorious God. But watch yourself so that you may not be tempted. You know, when you're counseling, when you're helping someone who's been in sin. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Hallelujah. Because he's our ultimate burden bearer. We can walk through with others that are being burdened. We don't take it on ourselves. It's him working through us. If anyone thinks they are something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, 
the one who receives instruction in the word, should share all good things with their instructor. That would be your teachers and your pastors. So this is even in giving. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Hallelujah. What do we want to reap? What do we want to sow? Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm encouraging you today, do not give up in any situation. Do not give up. Praise, thanksgiving, sharing what God has given you. It will work miracles. I know this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good. Be givers of God's goodness to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. When we give his goodness, he makes sure that we receive his goodness. What do you, if you don't know what to give, just think of the fruit of the Spirit, okay? Just go down the list. Joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, right? All those. Patience, self-control. Do you know that's a gift? When someone's in your face, when someone's treating you like yuck, Self-control is a gift. Gossip is not a gift. Backbiting is not a gift. Talking about what a miserable state that person is in is not a gift. <laughs> okay. I don't really mean to be stepping on toes because I don't think any of you guys need your toes stepped on. Y'all are perfect. <laughs> I think you are. <laughs> okay. So the last, the last thing that the Lord told me, the last category the Lord told me to talk about tonight, today, are tithes and offerings. So we're going to go back to Galatians 6, 6 through 8. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God is, cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Do you know that your giving, your tithes, your offerings are a gift unto God? They are pleasing to Him. And obedience is pleasing to Him. Philippians 4, 14 through 20. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, this is Paul, 
Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you, did, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. You know what? I used to always read that so that, okay, so you're just going to get more. He's going to make sure when you give that, that it is credited to you as a harvest, and so you're going to get more. But when I was reading this, what, it, what the Lord actually said to me, that the real promise there is more than what you gave. Not just that you're going to get some that's going to come in. You see what I'm saying? That more than what you gave, because we serve a God of abundance, is going to be harvested back unto you. Because if you really follow the principle of seed time and harvest, one kernel of corn does not give you just one kernel of corn. Right? So that's what he told me that really meant there. More than what you can ever give, you will harvest. A multiplied harvest. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Now look what your offering is. This is what you need to think about every time. Do not just give money. If you don't have a cheerful heart, if you don't even understand what you're doing, just don't even put the money in the bucket. Because then you're going to be expecting something of God and you didn't do it with a right heart and then you're going to go, huh, why didn't I get my harvest? And you're not going to point the finger at yourself. People point the finger at God. And anytime we're pointing a pink finger at God, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. So here's what he says. They are a fragrant offering. Will you please think about your gifts you're giving as a fragrant offering unto your God? Because that's what they are. An acceptable sacrifice. He knows you're sacrificing. It is pleasing to God. He says that right there. Well, I want to please God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory. Okay, you know, for years, because I didn't always go to the scripture, I would just say those things from my memory. That's why it's so important that you go to the word. Don't just say the scripture from your memory. I mean, of course, if you're in an immediate situation, you need to say the scripture from your memory. It's like when Ken and I were with the kids, the babies, in the back seat of the car one night when we were in Colorado, and it was late at night, maybe 11 o'clock. It was pitch dark. There were no stars that night. And we were on this road, and I was driving, 
and you know we're in that little car and there's a car behind us and all of a sudden there's just yeah I probably told you the story before but you know what there's just an elk a dead elk just like laying there right in the middle of the road no time to stop no time to think about anything okay so when you're in that situation you say Jesus that's all you do okay so that's important so there was no guardrail, and that was, I don't know how many feet down, you know, like we're on the edge of a mountain. We're not on some highway. We're on the edge of a mountain. Our car goes airborne because it hits that little, that big, huge elk, and our car goes airborne into the air. Jesus! We come down on two wheels. Plop! Jesus saved us. We're here today. Could have been another story. But it wasn't. <laughs> so, in those moments, you, you can't really go read your Bible. <laughs> so, brother, sister, get it stored up. So that the first thing that comes out of your mouth is not some curse word, not some, oh no, we're all going to die. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. We don't want that in those moments. But anyway, back to my story here. I used to always, when I was just repeating this scripture, you know, out of my head, I would say the glory of his riches. I would say the glory of his riches. That's not what it says. It says the riches of his glory. What is any bigger what is any richer? What is any fuller? What is any more magnificent? What is any more powerful? What has any more strength than his glory? See that? You cannot outrich his glory. So we got to get our scripture right. <laughs> He will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. Was there any lack of glory in Christ? No, the spitting image of God the Father, the creator of the universe, the Almighty. So, specifically in this scripture, Paul ties our financial giving into the gospel for the spread of the gospel, for discipling people, the purposes of the gospel, saving souls, to the fact that God will abundantly take care of you. And he prays that each person's giving is credited to their account and that their needs will be met according to the riches 
of God's glory in Christ. I cannot imagine anything richer than that. Okay, so we're going to go to, well, I was going to say one more example, but there might be two. We're going to go to Acts 10. We're going to look at Cornelius. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord, he asked? The angel answered, get this, get this. Your prayers and gifts. Prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Do you think God does not take notice? Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter, verse 7. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius caught two of his servants and a devout soldier, who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Verse 9. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter, someone in a totally different city, Going about his business, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened, and something like a large sheet let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This is so important. This is a total shift in the mental paradigm of Peter. This is a complete shift in history. All of history is changed What do you need to be changed in your life? All of history was changed. It started with prayer and giving that came up as a memorial to God. And another heart gets moved. And God visits that person and speaks to that person and says, your thinking has been wrong. Don't call the Gentiles unworthy. You're going to go to them. This is so important. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, see, he's, he's trying to wrap himself around it. The Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate. See that? Because he wouldn't have gone with a Gentile. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. 
And he's sitting there saying, what? You cannot be serious, God. (laughs) Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion, a Gentile. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. How did all this get started? Exactly, prayer and giving. Prayer and giving. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. So then Peter goes to Cornelius' house, verse 27, while talking with him, talking with Cornelius, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile because Cornelius was a Gentile. But God, but God, but God. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Do you see that by Cornelius' prayer and giving, the heart that got softened towns away that listened that paid attention to a vision that changed history I can't be boring you may I ask oh but God has shown me that I should not call anything impure or unclean so when I was sent for, I came without raising objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes, that was the angel, stood before me and said, Cornelius, God, listen, 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 listen. God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts. God remembers your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the house of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. I went for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. A special message, a special word for Cornelius and all his friends and household that were there because of his prayers and because of his giving. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. He accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel 
announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Verse 43, all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. 44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Hallelujah! Because of a prayer and a gift. A prayer and a gift. A prayer and a gift. What? What could be more valuable to you? And frankly, I would probably say here more valuable to God than a prayer and a gift that ends in the salvation and the Holy Spirit anointing the gift of tongues, baptism of a unbelieving heart. How can we count our gifts given into the gospel? How can we count them? You see? You see what God does? Infinitely, infinitely more. When you are giving into the gospel, you at that moment need to imagine all the goodness of God being poured out. You'll never know You'll never know until you get to heaven what that has accomplished. So because of his giving, because of the prayers of Cornelius, God took notice. He says that. Your offerings have come up as a memorial before God. Then God spoke to someone else. He, 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 he gave Cornelius, the visitation of the angel, then he spoke to someone else, and that someone else had a vision, and they listened, and they obeyed. Then they go over there, and they give all this spiritual counsel. Then everybody gets saved. Everybody gets filled, you know, with salvation in Jesus, forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of tongues. Then they were baptized in water. Because of what appeared to be a small act. And know the heart of it. Cornelius was not trying to manipulate God. He was just doing what God put on his heart, right? So, tithing. Just one more little thing and then then I'll, I'll be quiet. Sorry, I'm going long. Tithing brings God's covenant... into fruition in our lives. God specifically says, this is not me, he says that tithing is a way of returning to God. 
when I read that, I'm like, whoa. It's a way of returning to God. Malachi 3.6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time, that's his mercy, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? See that? Do you see that question? How are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? Here's God's answer. In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe. It does not say a net tithe. I read the word whole, whole. I don't alter what God says. You can argue with God all you want. But I think if he's using the word whole, it means whole. You deal with your own conscience, right? I don't have to deal with that. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. He wants food in his house. Test me. Test me. Test me in this. The only place in Scripture where you're going to find that. Says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. I live in a delightful land. Because anything that comes to me personally, I tithe, and I don't tithe on a net. And any one of you who wants to argue, even out there in, in TV land, that this was the law and the law is gone, I only have two things to say to you. Tithing came before the law, by Abraham, through Abraham, he is an example, and when Jesus came, he came and fulfilled all the law. So you have no more argument. I've done what I have to do. You all know I'm not really a preacher who preaches on giving and tithing much. I have done what I had to do today, and now it's your responsibility, not mine. No blood will be on my hands. When we want to be blessed, we do it God's way. That's all there is to it. You want to be blessed, you do it God's way. So tithing is a way of honoring God. It's a way to return to God. It's a way of establishing His Lordship. 
our obedience to him. Discipline. Discipline is a good thing. It brings good things into our lives. It is crucifying our flesh. When we crucify the flesh, we usher in the spirit. The fullness, the wholeness of God. We submit to his higher ways. His ways are higher than ours. And we reap his goodness. We walk in a different dimension. We walk in a dimension where the earth, the world, the things of this carnal existence down here cannot touch us. We are in but not of. We walk in his covenant. We receive his covenant blessing, his provision, his protection. King James, there in Malachi, says he rebukes the devourer on your behalf. So, I don't want anyone walking away from this church today saying that I only talked about giving and tithing. I mean, tithing and offering. That would be slander in your lips. I talked about worship, praise, thanksgiving, sharing of the kingdom, and giving of our tithes and offerings. So don't go away and say that that's just one of those money-grabbing preachers. If you don't want to hear this message, it's your fault. And just so you know, there is no offering until the tithe has been made. So don't waste your money. I am not a money-grabbing preacher. I am here to edify you, encourage you to walk in the fullness of Christ. And we talked about more than one way to do it today. But we want to do it all. We want to do it all. Not as works. Not as works. But as a love offering unto a Father who has given us more than we could ever ask for. More than we can conceive. Hallelujah. So I, I think the tithe message has probably been given, so I probably don't need to give another one. So, ushers, 